You know, this morning I want to start by saying that everybody's got a story. You know that, right? Everybody's got a story. And uh, some stories we don't need to hear, do we, Al? Some stories we do, and uh, stories are, uh, are good. Everybody has a story. This morning I want to ask the question, what's your story? What's your story? Let me give you some notable Christian stories in, in brief detail. One is the name Betty Page. I hope you don't know that name. Uh, Betty Page was known as a pinup model in the 1950s. If you don't know what a pinup model is, that's a good thing. But uh, they used to have pinup models. She was a Playboy Playmate of the Month in the 1950s. And in 1959, she became a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. She went to Bible college, pursued being a missionary, and worked with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Ain't God good that he can do that, transform somebody's life? You may know the name Deion Sanders. He's retired a football player with the National Football League. When he burst on the scene as a football player years ago, he had the nickname Primetime. The cameras were all around. The sunglasses were on. The collar was turned up. The gold jewelry was there. And uh, he was quite a spectacle. And uh, he was one of the biggest and most popular athletes in the world, but later stated that he had nothing until he found God. He discussed at one point not wanting to sleep in his $10,000 bed, not wanting to go home to his 15,000 square foot house, not wanting to drive any of his collection of luxury cars. Now, if he was ready to get rid of some of those things, I could have talked to him, but that's not the point. His prime time persona and all the things the world had to give left him feeling empty is his story. And uh, uh, then he found Jesus. You may know a former child star, Kirk Cameron, starred on the TV show Growing Pains, was a TV star, was an atheist, did not believe in God at all, and became a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus. And these days you can find him still acting, refusing to take any role that would not glorify God. These days you can find him as a spokesman for Christian uh, ministries, and you can find him as an evangelist on TV, uh, in different forms of media, and in person. Uh, I'll tell you my story very briefly. If you don't know it, I was raised right here in Durham in a dysfunctional home, and uh, I was angry at the world as a young teenager, and I started going to church, not because of the gospel or the choir or the preacher, but because of all the fun the youth group had. And somewhere in the midst of that, Jesus found me and rescued me, and my life has never been the same. I want to ask you this morning, what's your story concerning Jesus? What's your story of conversion? You know, the story of conversion into becoming a Christian, the story of conversion into our Christian life is, is a useful tool for a believer to share with someone else. The story of our conversion and how we became a Christian is also a great outreach effort as we share with others, perhaps, who've never heard and also would never come to church to hear. What outreach opportunities do we have? We also think about our story, our testimony, our conversion experience as being something that is needed for our own reminder, needed out in the world and the people with whom we interact, and also, uh, studies show over and over and over again, and I can testify 
to hearing the story of someone else and how they came to become a Christian is one of the most effective ways in all the world to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to look at the conversion story of the Apostle Paul from the Bible. We're talking about a series of messages from the book of Acts that I'm calling Life on Mission. God has called us to know Him and then to orient our life towards the mission that He has of winning every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, everywhere to a saving faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You're aware of that, right? That's our mission and what He's called us to do. Now, Paul's story, interestingly, is the most detailed account in anywhere in Scripture of how a person came to know Christ. In fact, there are three passages that discuss this. One is the very first part of Acts chapter 8, most of Acts chapter 9. That's one segment. And then later on in Acts 26, there's another 20 verses where he repeats the story again. And then as a pastor writing to a young preacher, he recounts that story again in 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to glance at each one of those today and be reminded that each time this account is told, three separate times, it follows the same outline. Life before Christ, what was it like? Conversion, what took place in order to become a Christian? And then change, how has my life been changed because of Jesus? So today we're going to look at Paul before his faith, his conversion experience, and the change. And you'll notice in your listening guide, I've given you a spot to make notes about Paul's experience and then a place to make notes about your experience. And I hope that you'll take advantage of that both during the message and even afterwards. So would you pray with me as we begin? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today and for your blessings. Thank you that we can have a song like since Jesus came into my heart, all the change that you bring and the wonderful blessing that it is to know Christ and to follow him as Savior. We thank you for stories like I was sharing about how even in earth there are many examples of how there is a punishment due but a punishment averted because of grace and mercy. We thank you for a testimony like Paul as we look at Lord his life before he met Christ, how he met Christ and the change that came. And we pray that we might apply those principles to our own life and our own story. I pray Lord for all believers here today that, Lord, those of us who are Christians would know uh, with, without a doubt and that we would be uh, very well uh, prepared to write and share our story with someone else. And, Lord, I would pray today for anyone here that does not have that story because they've never trusted Christ. The Lord, even today could be that day. And what a great day that is when someone comes to know you. Lord, take the time that we have. May we offer it to you in worship. May we offer you, Lord, your word, our praises, and our very selves that you might be glorified in all that we do as we pray together in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's start with uh, uh, the account of Paul's life, his conversion, that we find in 1 Timothy chapter 1. You may want to flip there in your Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 to 17. At this particular point, Paul is a, is a Christian. He's been a Christian for a while. He's become a missionary. He's become a pastor. He's grown in his faith. He's matured in his faith. And now as an older man who's been a Christian for decades, he's writing to a young preacher boy named Timothy, and he's giving him some words of encouragement. And right at the very beginning of his letter, 
he recounts for Timothy and also for us the story of how he became a Christian. This is also the briefest account that we have, so we'll share this one first. Notice, first of all, there in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the before section of Paul's story. What happened to him before he became a Christian? He says, starting in verse 13, Formerly, or before I was a Christian, formerly I was a blasphemer. A blasphemer is someone who talks about God in negative ways. Someone who rejects God, someone who mocks God, someone who basically shakes their fist in God's face. A blasphemer. Paul says, that's the kind of man that I was. And then he says, I was a persecutor. And we'll talk more about this in a few minutes, but Paul literally went out and found people who claimed Jesus as their Savior, and he persecuted them by throwing them out of the synagogues, arresting them, and in some cases bringing them back to Jerusalem and throwing them in jail even to the point of death. So when we hear Paul say, formerly I was a blasphemer, that's exactly right. Formerly I was a persecutor, he's not exaggerating. And then he goes on to say, I was insolent. Now I don't use that word. Anybody here know what insolent means? I had to look it up. And insolent means rude and arrogant lack of respect. He said, I had a rude and arrogant lack of respect for God. And then he says, I was an opponent of God. Well, that doesn't speak too well for this man, does it? Some of you may be thinking, Mark, are you sure you're talking about the man that wrote so many of the letters in the New Testament? Are you talking about the man that went on missionary journeys and almost died on several occasions and who tradition says gave his life because of the gospel? That's exactly the man I'm talking about. He goes on to say uh, in verse number 13, uh, I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. I was ignorant of the true facts of the gospel of the message of Jesus and I was acting in unbelief. I rejected that message. I heard that message and I disbelieved it and I went out and set my heart against that message to the point of going after people that believed it. He would be a man that would come after believers. Notice the first word in verse number 13. I love that word. Formerly. Formerly. I used to be that way. In the midst of verse number 13, you'll see the, the beginning of the, of the second sentence there. Formerly I was all these things, but... I love that. Did you catch that? I did all these things describe my life. I was an opponent of God. I was rude to God. I was, I was arrogant towards God. I shook my fist in the face of God. But, I love it, but I received mercy. That leads us to the conversion part of Paul's testimony. This is the kind of man he was, but then something happened that changed. In verse 13, he said that he had received mercy. I want you to stand with me. We're going to read together verse number 14 and verse number 15 because here we find some of the most outstanding, awesome testimony verses in all the Bible. Read verse 14 with me. The words are on the screen. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now look at that, look at that verse on the screen there. Grace overflowing, faith, and love. 
And notice that the grace overflowed from where? From God. Notice that the faith and love is not what we exhibit towards God, but what God exhibits to us in Jesus Christ. Now verse 15, a great passage for anybody's testimony. Say that with me. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now notice what it says on there. It's a trustworthy saying, and it's deserving that everybody agree, this is trustworthy, this is important, this is good. And the saying is this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Say that phrase with me. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now a lot of people will agree with that, but this next part becomes offensive to many folks. Because Paul then says, among those who are sinners, (laughs) I'm the foremost. In another translation, I think it's the King James, it says, I'm the chief. You gather all the sinners together, and I'm going to be the sinner among sinners. I'm going to be the chief of those that go out and do wrong against God. That's who I was. That's That's what Paul says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the Bible says that we're all sinners. Please be seated. There's some very important words in verses 13 and 14. The word in verse 13 is mercy. But but I had mercy. God gave me mercy. A a definition of mercy that's biblical is this. Mercy means I avoid deserved punishment. When Al topped that hill, doing, I think you said 130. Is that what you taught? I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean it, it, whatever it was. When, when Al topped that hill and his wheels came off the ground, when, when they were flying over there, Al escaped deserved punishment because the police officer graciously gave him mercy, avoiding a deserved punishment. That's what mercy is. But there's also grace, you see, here in these verses. The word grace means to receive an undeserved blessing. I do not get what I do deserve that's a punishment. I do receive what I don't deserve, which is God's gracious forgiveness of my sins. How does it come about? It comes about through faith. That's another of the words in this verse. And through love. Faith means I simply believe and accept as true these words. I know that they're true, therefore they impact my life and my heart and my mind, and I'm not the same again, and then I know it comes about because of love. Not that I loved God first, but that God loved me even when I was a sinner. Isn't that a great message from the Scripture? So so notice there's the before, there's the conversion, and then there's the change that takes place in his life. Notice in verse 16. But I received mercy. That's the second time he said that. But I received mercy for this reason. The reason that that God did this is that in me, as the foremost or as the chief of the sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. What that saying is, God saved Paul. And set him apart for the purpose of Paul's life, of his former life and his conversion experience being an example 
for those who were to believe. Do you know who that is? Those who were to believe is you and I. We study the life of Paul. We look at the life of Paul. We glean from the life of Paul and many others in the Scripture and many others that live at the same time that we live for the purpose of gleaning from them an example of the mercy and the grace of God. If God can save the chief of the sinners, if God can save the foremost of the sinners, if God can save the blasphemers and the persecutors, if God can save the insolent and the opponents of God, if God can save that person, you know who God can save? He can save anybody. He can save anybody. That's the change that we see taking place. And in verse 17, we see the the only time in the testimonies of Paul, the only time we see here is a praise that's given at the end. He says in verse 17, To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What Paul is saying here is look what he did for me. And look what he can do for you. Look what he did for me. I was a blasphemer. I was ignorant. I was unbelieving. I was was the chief of the sinners. And if he did this for me, he can surely do it for you. He went from cursing God to praising God. Now the same conversion that changed Paul is still changing lives today. I would like you to hear from some Ridgecrest people about the change that's taken place in their life. So if you would, come on forward if I asked you to serve with me today. Get a real chair. Get your real chair. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to start over here, and I'm going to ask you to, to just very briefly just introduce yourself and tell us how long you've been a part of Ridgecrest. I'm Ann Riggs, and my husband Greg and I have been members here about three years. All right. I'm Janice Hansen, and I don't remember exactly how long, but we, our first Sunday here was your first Sunday as senior pastor. Right, that was a good day. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. I'm Randy Carden, and uh, we've been here a while. I don't know. Okay, a long time. All right. So, so the first question you see up there on the screen, the first question I want to ask each of you is, describe your life before you became a Christian. Just a couple of sentences. Well, I was a child, so just a normal childhood. I didn't know any better. I just knew we, uh, my parents took us to church a lot. That's what I knew. All right, good, good, good. All right. Yeah, I was growing up on a farm in eastern North Carolina, a, very, a Christian home with very strict primitive Baptist parents whom I didn't appreciate at the time. <laughs> All right. All right, good. All right, Anne? I was also raised in a Christian home, and I knew I had my salvation at an early age. Okay. All right. Now, second question that I want you to, to answer, each of you, is uh, describe your conversion experience. What was it like when you became a follower of Christ? So I actually had a second conversion experience. When Greg and I were first married in 1973, we went to a Billy Graham crusade in Raleigh. And I felt a very strong conviction then that I needed to make sure to put God in the forefront and create a Christian household and a Christian marriage in all my relationships. All right, thank you. All right, Jan? Okay, I, um, my father was Primitive Baptist, as you, I just told you. 
So, and his church only had church every other Sunday. So when I was about 10 years don't, don't give us any ideas, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was back in the 40s, so it's different. Anyway, when I was about 10 years old, my father allowed us on the Sundays that his church did not have church. We could go to church with our friends at the First Baptist Church in Four Oaks. And there, a very godly Sunday school teacher led me to the Lord when I was 14. And she, since that day, I have not uh, questioned my salvation at all. All right. Thank you, Jane. All right, Randy. Okay. I was uh, saved as a young child at West Durham Church of God. Uh, it's no longer sitting there. And it was at a revival with a singing, and I remember being at the altar. I don't know what year it was. Uh, I would like to thank Ed Shue. He's a member here. Uh, Ed Shue at one time taught my brothers and I had three older brothers in Sunday school. God bless him. And uh, <laughs> later on, uh, I had a teacher named Miss McBride. And if you're teaching children, you never know how you're affecting them. She affected me. Uh, and I remember being saved uh, as a child. Awesome. Thank you, Randy. Now, last question is, since you have become a Christian, what's just a word or two to describe the change that's taking place in your life? Sorry, Marion. Uh, well, we were 19 when we got married. Uh, she stole me away from my parents. Uh, but she, she was a good Lutheran. And, and I took her to West Durham Church of God, and I uh, couldn't take her back. But uh, then we decided we would come into Baptist, and, and we did. We were attending Homestead Heights, rededicated our lives, and were baptized. Uh, and we're not perfect, but I'm awful glad uh, that I'm forgiving. And it, it, it's peace. Thank you, sir. Okay. okay, I told you that I became a Christian when I was 14. And I did. I didn't question my salvation, but I knew there was something missing in my life. I didn't have all the peace and joy that a lot of other people had. And when I was 30, I was going through a very difficult time, and again, a very godly Sunday school teacher talked to me about the Holy Spirit, and I realized I didn't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it hadn't been talked about, hadn't been taught or preached, but I did not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And through her guidance, I really, the Holy Spirit became real to me, and my life changed drastically. I can look back now and say, without a doubt, that I can see God's protection and provision, his hand of protection and provision in every step of my life. Mm, awesome, awesome. Ms. Ann? And I could say the same thing as the other two, and also that it has made me so intentional with my relationship with God to make sure he's in the forefront of my relationships with other people as well. And I always, you know, kind of, what would Jesus do when I interact with others? All right. These guys have done a great job. Give them a round of applause, if you will. All right. So now we're going to flip quickly and look at these other two episodes in the Bible, the New Testament, where Paul shares his story and his testimony. The next one is found in Acts 8 
and in Acts 9. And uh, there we see uh, the before section of Paul's story in Acts 8, verse 3, and then in Acts 9, verses 1 to 2. In Acts 8, verse 3, Paul was a persecutor of the church. He'd already said that in 1 Timothy. But notice what, he says, what it says here. Saul, that's his other name, his Greek name, Saul was ravaging the church. He was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. This is not Paul telling his story. This is what is said about Paul and his, and, and his uh, uh, character and his before conversion experience. Verse 2 of Acts 9. Paul asked for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so if he found any belonging to the way, that is Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. This man fiercely went against anything Christian. Then notice his conversion. Chapter 9, verses 3 through 19. Won't read through the whole thing, but, but simply know he was traveling to Damascus. He had an encounter with the Lord Jesus on the road where a bright light shone upon him, knocked him to the ground. He couldn't see, and the Lord spoke to him, and he believed in Jesus in that vision. And if you fast forward to Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, it says, And immediately, immediately after all this took place, it says, He proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Here's a man that from, from one day to the next went from persecuting and, and ravaging the church and arresting Christians and bind, bind, binding them and taking them to jail to the next day he's preaching that Jesus is Lord. You know why? Because that's the difference Jesus makes. You know what the response of the people was? You think they got together and said, Oh, wow, let's hear from this guy. No, not at all. Verse 21, all who heard him were amazed and they said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name, the name of Jesus? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? See, they were skeptical because they thought it might be a ploy. He might be just saying this to find out who are the Christians so he could arrest them and take them in. There was skepticism, but you know what? The, the conversion proved true and the life change stuck. Now you fast forward to Acts 26. In Acts 26, we have now the third episode recording the same experience of conversion with Paul. The first one occurred in Acts chapter 8 and 9 that we just talked about. Then another one occurred when he wrote the letter to Timothy, which we've already talked about. And now we find at the end of the book of Acts, chapter 26, this is now years later. Paul has been arrested for preaching. He has appealed to Caesar. And he is preparing to go off to Rome and, uh, and to spend time in jail there. Let's look at the before, the conversion, and the since, uh, since conversion, the, the after years. Chapter 26, verse 9. Paul is now standing before Agrippa, a local king. And he's been given permission to speak and to address uh, the court, if you will, over the charge of, of, uh, of preaching the gospel and leading people astray. Paul says in verse 9 of Acts 26, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This is before. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, 
But when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I made sure these people died. Three different times the story is told, consistently, Paul says, among other things, among the sinners, I was the chief. I was the foremost. Verse 11, I punished them often in the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. That's who he was. I'm thankful I can say that's who I was. That's not who I am now. Aren't you thankful as a Christian that you can say whatever, whatever it was, that's what I was. But it's not what I am. And it's not who I'm going to be. Notice the conversion statement that Paul makes here in Acts 26, starting in verse 13. He says, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me. And I heard a voice saying to me, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And it was then that Paul believed. The conversion took place. The change took place. I'm sure that Paul was greatly surprised. I'm sure that, that he, he was surprised to learn that everything he had been standing for was actually against the one true God. And everything he had been standing against was actually for the one true God. Then notice what happened since his conversion, starting in verse number 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared. That's a good word. He declared. He started, he started talking. He started, he started declaring into groups. He started declaring to individuals. He started declaring in the synagogues and, and down by the river, wherever he was. I declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles. Here's what he declared. That they should repent and turn to God. Turn from your sins and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. What he's saying here in that one sentence is that in order to, to be right with God, we have to turn from our sins, believe in Jesus, and live a lifestyle that's different. That's what he's saying. Verse 22. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying. Notice in 1 Timothy 1.16, he says, I receive mercy for this reason, that in me Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe. Now years later, he's saying, I'm standing here testifying to the court. To the court that has authority over me to put me to death. Used to, I was putting other people to death, and now you, King Agrippa, you have the authority to put me to death. And so I'm testifying in the midst of that, verse 23 of Acts 26, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. For the king knows about these things. And to him, Agrippa, I speak boldly. King Agrippa, he says, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. So here's Paul, a prisoner, bound in chains, and, 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 and his life is on the line, and he shares the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says to the king, who has authority over him, he says, do you believe? The prisoner is offering an invitation to the judge to put his faith in Jesus Christ. The prisoner is offering to the judge that he would repent of his sins and believe in Jesus and live a changed life. 
He's sharing the message, whether it is before a group of people that, that embrace him or before a group of people that will put him to death. That's the message that he's sharing. In verse 28, I love this part. Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? Are you asking me to believe what you believe? You're standing here begging for your life, and you're asking me if I want to become a Christian? Verse 29, Paul said, Whether I stand here short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become like me, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, not wearing all these chains, but a Christian set free from my sins, how I used to be. Set free from my future, where I'm going to be. Set free even in the present, that even if I'm wearing chains, it's okay, because God has set me free. It's like the, the statement uh, that, that you've heard before, where somebody says, I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. And Paul was saying that to the king. Paul then said it to everybody, everybody he possibly could. And the call is that you and I do the same. The call is that you and I as believers and followers of Christ might do exactly the same. Not too long ago, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, my wife Pam received a call from a relative who is dying of terminal illness. And the relative said to Pam, my wife, I want you to come see me. So Pam went to see her relative, and the relative said to Pam, How can I tell those I love and care for about Jesus? As this relative prepares for eternity and the end of their own life, the relative's thinking, how can I tell those around me? I don't know if it was a nurse that's coming to minister. I don't know if it was a family member. don't know who it was. We don't know. But they said to Pam, what, how, how can I tell people around me in the limited time I have left? How can I tell them about Jesus? And Pam said, you need to start with your story. Start with what Jesus has done for you. If you notice on the back of your bulletin on your listening guide down there towards the bottom there's three things i want to encourage you to do in response to this message today three things i'd like to challenge you to do the first is to write down your story write down your story there on the listening guide you may not have had time to do that during the message today but i've given you a place to write down and you can go back and look at the scriptures i referenced you can write down paul's story on one column and your story on the other my life before i became a christian how i got saved and, and became a, a follower of christ and the change that's taken place since that time i would encourage you take the listening guide take a blank sheet of paper sit down at your computer and type it out whatever it is but write down your story do it in one or two sentence increments. In, in, fact, in fact, write down your story in, in such a way and be prepared to tell your story in 30 seconds or in three minutes or in 30 minutes. Have three sentences, one sentence for each of those categories. And if all you have is 30 seconds, just share those three sentences. And if you're sitting down with coffee or sitting down with a meal or sitting on a bus riding somewhere or with somebody and you've got a little bit of time, then you take each one of those sentences, you start filling in the information that goes below it, and you fill out and flesh out your story of what happened in your life 
what it was like before, what it's been like since, and how Jesus came into your heart when you put your faith and your trust in Him, knowing that He was the substitute that paid the penalty for your sins. So write down your story. And secondly, once, you, once you, you've done that, prayerfully consider with whom to share your story. If you've got this story to share, it, it, it would be amazing for, for you, and, and I've done this before and, and, and others have done this before, just start praying, Lord, who can I share my story with? I, uh, I remember hearing about a guy that couldn't read. And he had this little gospel track talking about how to become a Christian. And he'd go up to people and he'd say, he'd say excuse me, he said, can I tell you my story? And people would, yeah, you can tell, tell me your story. He'd tell them the story and he'd say, I can't read. I want you to know what's in this booklet. Can you help me read this booklet? And he would just walk them right through what it meant to be a Christian. It's amazing that once you get your story put together, you start prayerfully considering with whom to share your story. Now, there, there are sometimes, some people like with their story, they're like a bull in a china shop. It don't, they don't matter who they run across, what's going on. They say, sit down and be quiet. I'm going to tell you my story. <laughs> sometimes that's appropriate, but not always. But it's amazing what happens if you start praying. Lord, with whom can I share my story? And over time, maybe immediately, maybe over time, the Lord just begins to impress upon you the name of a coworker the name of a family member, the name of a friend, the name of the waitress down at the diner where you go every Thursday for lunch, the name of somebody that you may not even know well at all. Okay, Lord, that's the name. Now, Lord, would you open the door? That's the third thing I want to challenge you to do. Start looking for an opening. And trust that if God has given you a story, amen, He's got us giving you a story, and he's put somebody's name on your heart, and you're looking, just know at the right time, God's going to open the door. All you have to do is be ready. Sometimes the person will say something to you like, I hear you go to that church down the road. And that's just your opening, right? Yeah, can I tell you what a difference it's made in my life? Or, or maybe they're having a difficult day, and you walk up like you've done a hundred times, you put your hand on their shoulder, you say, it looks like you're having a tough time today. Yeah, I'm just having a tough time, on and on and on. And then you could say, can I tell you what my life used to be like? Boom, boom, boom. Can I tell you the difference that Jesus has made? Can I tell you how you can come to know Christ as your Savior? It's amazing what we can find ourselves saying and doing and see, as we seek to share our story with those who need to hear it. Write it down. Pray about it and look for an opening and then be ready when the opportunity presents itself. Now, let me ask you a question this morning because I know this is always appropriate. What if you're here today and you don't have a conversion story? What if you're here? As I'm talking about all this, you're, you're thinking, you're listening to the story of Paul, you've heard the, the story of the, of the folks up here on the stage, but, but in your heart, you, know, you don't have that story. I've got some good news that, for you today. And that is that this story can become your story. Not the story of Paul, but the story of the gospel. The story of, of, of turning to God and turning from sin and trusting Jesus as Savior. I want to invite all of you right now. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? And if you're here, you are a Christian, take just a minute. You can even do this with your eyes open. Pray for those around you that you may or may not know who they are, that maybe they're not believers or not followers, and just pray, Lord, even today, impress upon their heart their need for the gospel. Just begin to pray, and, and while you're doing that, just look at your own little outline and, and jot down maybe a couple of words about your story as a follower of Christ. And you do that. But if you're here and you've never 
trusted Christ, you don't have that story, then all we're going to do, I want to just share with you exactly what the Scripture said, what Paul said. He called people to repent or to turn from their sin, to say to God, God, I'm sorry, I have offended you and I have blasphemed against you. I've been an opponent of yours and I have sinned. And I want to turn from that, Lord. And I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that it is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God who died in my place and for my sins and was buried and raised the third day. And then to say, I believe that Jesus died for me and was raised from the dead. And right now, God, I trust Jesus as my Savior. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I invite you to come into my life and change me the way you've changed so many others. And forgive my sins the way you've forgiven so many others. And walk with me every day with your Holy Spirit, the way Jan talked about. And take me to heaven one day when this life is over. If you're here today and that's your desire, I'd invite you to do that very thing. From your heart, just whisper that prayer to God. Oh God, I turn from my sin. I believe in Jesus. I invite you into my life right now. And if you've done that this morning, I would invite you, even as we sing this next song, I'll be here at the front. I'd love for you to come down, take me by the hand with a smile on your face and say, Pastor Mark, I just trusted Jesus as my Savior. Catch up with somebody. Let us give you some words of encouragement. And also as we sing this song, let it be your encouragement to go out and to do those three things. Write down your story. Pray about it. Look for people with whom to share that they might come to know Christ as Savior and as Lord. Would you stand with me as we prepare to sing? I'm going to pray and then Al's going to lead us and I'll be here at the front as we sing. But you do business with God and you be obedient to whatever it is He's calling you to do both in this room and as we leave. Our Heavenly we want to be able to tell the story of what you've done in our heart and life. We want to love to tell the story of all that you've done for us. Help us, our Heavenly Father, to know the story, believe the story, live the story, and share the story because it changes lives and it changes eternities. And there are so many people around us every single day that desperately need that story. So right now, Lord, we sing, we also pray, we also, Lord, want to go out and share the story with others in Jesus' name. Amen.